You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Ciao, everybody. It's another buzz episode of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Sono Fran Chismar. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm Knezic. And Fran, I think you have some up your sleeve here. Is why, why but, you know, and I can't, I so badly wanted to do an accent, and I can't. I can't. I didn't want to. I can't either. No one would have guessed what I was doing <laughs> anyway. But yeah, we. Uh, Surprisingly enough, we were no. It's it's no longer, but at one moment in time, we had the number two nature podcast in Italy. Yeah, so we wanted to thank all of our Italian uh, listeners. How, in, do, uh, how do you say oh thank man, you? In Italian? You're Italian. I'm half you, Italian, yeah, so you I have, should know this. And I'm just blanking on it right. Now. I'm sure as soon as we are done, I'll remember. <laughs> I remember like Buona Notte was good night. Okay, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> I enough. went to Italy and I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned all this stuff and it's it left. But. <laughs> Well, the the funny thing is I did a little research and not just at you know, in the last month or two months, but in the history of our podcast, we only have a total of eight listens in Italy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. to I guess to be the number two nature podcast in Italy, you don't have to have that many. Yeah. There's probably not that they're not really listening to nature podcasts, yeah. or at least in English. Yeah. yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So so and, with and, that, I remember with thank you. So we say grazie oh, to all that, of our, our yes, Italian look. listeners, all, I don't know how many, less than eight <laughs> that, that there are. So, but we did, in Italy, beat nature sounds. Which is a big step for us. That is huge. Because we've beaten the sounds of nature. Yes. <laughs> which which constantly are, <laughs> just taunt us in yeah, the top yeah. five. So, I mean, but it's been, you know, all kidding aside, it's it's been a great uh, month for us because we've skyrocketed back up into the top of the the Apple Podcast mm-hmm. Nature Charts, which we're pleased and thankful for. Um, our episodes with Claudia West and, and Dr. Doug Tallamy have been extremely well received, better than than at any moment in time in the yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. The Facebook group is growing. We keep getting yeah. more people for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep getting five star reviews. Richard McCoy, thank you for the kind words about the the Claudia West episode and mm-hmm. and whoever whoever else is leaving the five star reviews without saying anything. We we appreciate that as well. Yeah, and and going into this little stretch when we had it kind of I don't want to say secretly planned. We knew what was coming up, but but you guys at home didn't necessarily know what we had planned. We figured it would be a big month for us. These are two guests that we wanted to have on for a while. We wanted to have Claudia West on. Yeah. like months ago and it just good for her she was super super busy even yeah. when we recorded with her she's like hey I, I gotta cut this a little short because i have a deadline <laughs> and, come, it, and we I had to post for we had to postpone numerous times oh, yeah. together because yep. she was so busy you know and even uh dr talamy said when he wrote nature's best hope he didn't think anyone would read it yeah. and it changed his life yeah. you know we didn't know anyone you know we're excited about the mm-hmm. episode we didn't know if anyone would listen to them or if anyone yeah. would care yeah. but you did and we appreciate that you know and even behind the scenes uh one of the top magazines in our industry is even uh decided to do an expose yeah. on yeah. pinelands nursery and and kind of focus on the podcast a little mm-hmm. bit so yeah. that was a, a really nice surprise for us oh yeah that they noticed mm-hmm. <laughs> um and wanted to talk about that so um that i think is going to be in the december December De- issue they were trying for December of, so. of NM Pro Nursery Management Pro. So mm-hmm. we're we'll share that with everyone when that comes out. But we're we're excited about that. But which Fran, you're showing your age here because I think it's just nurture, Nursery Management Magazine now. Is it really? I don't oh. think it's oh. <laughs> NM Pro anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I am showing my well, age there, okay. but that's okay. So you want to get into it? Yeah, we said last episode that we were going to try and keep it short, and uh, we're not. It ended up being that. our longest buzz ever. So I don't. We're not even going to make any promises now. So. No, it. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be what it is. I have a feeling this is going to be a long episode, yeah. but that's yeah. okay. I don't. I don't think anyone has been complaining about our buzz no. episode, so we're we're thrilled about that. I even that got also. a rave review from my wife. She said that the buzz episodes were her favorite episode, and um, which wow. was a little surprising. 
I thought she'd get tired enough of hearing me at home, but isn't that always surprising? Yeah. Like it always <laughs> amazes me when when uh, my fiance will say she listened to the podcast. I'm like, really? You yeah. have to listen to me all <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen to me all the time at home, and now you're listening to me when I'm not home too. That, that's, that's impressive. That's yeah. a great compliment. Oh, yeah. You know, that's that's a great compliment. So I guess we should kind of keep it somewhat on topic. Mm-hmm. Although since I didn't get to discuss it last time, can I say what I'm binging on on Netflix? Oh yeah. Since, yeah, go since ahead. I got curtailed yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the Dr. Doug Tallamy. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, not child appropriate <laughs> at all. Do not let your kids watch it. It's, But it's sketch comedy uh, from a, a, a troupe, Auntie Donna uh, from Australia. It's absurd. Uh, total, I don't even know how to explain it. I it's, think the first time you described I still haven't watched it yet. Um but the first time you described me was like Pee Wee's Playhouse, but on acid. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like it's a mixture of like the monkeys and Monty Python and Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, and it's it's exhausting, but you watch it. Like sometimes it's almost too much and too over the top, and it changes so fast that you can't keep up. But I I've been watched the whole thing. The episodes mm-hmm. are only fifteen to eighteen minutes mm-hmm. long. They're not. Yeah. So my wife and I we're gonna have to check it out. We I was planning to this weekend and we just we have we have a kid now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sense of time anymore. It's basically I wake up, take care of him, come to work, go home, t- like clean up, take more care. Then all of a sudden it's ten o'clock and I'm like I I gotta start over again tomorrow. I gotta go to sleep sometime. I get it. You know it's funny when now that my my kids are older and and they're they're more closer to adults and and they have a lot of their own things that they're doing. You you start finding yourself with so much time, mm-hmm. like it, it's yeah. the exact yeah. opposite. It's you're running, 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 and then someone hits it in reverse, and you're like, "Oh, what do I do?" Yeah, and it's it's like a weird, weird thing. And I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about that because it's oh awesome. no, no, it is it's, like that's the just the best way it experience is. of my life. And it's like, yeah, you're waking up early, but it's time like like I'll we'll hear some cries and my wife says do you want me to get them I'm like no 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 this is like my time yeah i got it doesn't matter if it's four o'clock in the morning or five thirty or whatever time he wakes up that's my time to kind of go and get him and and soothe him and bond with him a little bit um because other than that if it's mom's time any other time yeah, of the day it's mom's, mom's time, time and, 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 and i'm kind of kicked out and let's so. be honest you're both sleep deprived yep. it's there's so yep. many factors at play that it's it's difficult even when you have the time all you can think about sometimes yeah. is relaxing but uh but even when i talk to friends it's like man it sounds like when i'm explaining this whole process it sounds like it's terrible but it's really not it's no it's i'm sure there's time. there's cases where it is not as much fun as i'm having with it but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Sometimes, you know, at the time that you're dealing with it, you may not realize how much fun it is. In retrospect, it sometimes you realize how good it is. But it's good that you have that perspective that you're enjoying it as you can. Not everyone can put themselves in that frame of mind, and sometimes cases are a little more extreme too. So, but with that, let's get into not just an episode of the Buzz, but the Thanksgiving special episode of the Buzz. Very true. Very true. So let's let's start it with an old favorite. First, yes, okay. <laughs> it still makes me laugh every time. So, I want to preface you. Would you like to go first? Yeah, or, okay, yeah, I'll, why don't I'll, you go first? I'll go first. Um, and this is not something I've actually, I've actually seen. Um, it's just, well, I haven't seen it in person right this year, but uh, but I am seeing it, uh, especially on social media. And then Dr. Doug Talmy alluded to it with his favorite plant of the moment. Our favorite native plant at the moment, and that's witch hazel. And witch hazel's blooming right now. I'm getting seeing a lot of pictures from, uh, I don't want to say from all over the country, but all over uh, the area of people who are seeing their yeah. their witch hazel starting to come into bloom. And it's important to to mention we're talking about native native yes, witch the hazel because there are hybrids that that don't bloom until February, mm-hmm. like when you see Arnold's Promise and and things like yeah. that. That's yeah. that's a hybrid that's not necessarily your native. So the native. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hamamelis virginiana is mm-hmm. is blooming right now yeah. for us uh, locally mm-hmm. in the Northeast. So no, that's a great choice, and it's it's a bonus that Doctor yeah. Talon. Yeah, I'm just kind of playing off of what he's. <laughs> so I want to preface mine because when I um, picked mine, it was in like full f- fall glory, and now it, the the last storm defoliated it already. Yeah. Like it's defoliated before oh, I even yeah, got a chance for, to talk it about was, it. 
in my we have we have two of these yeah. in a, in our front yard, and they went from every leaf was on the tree to no leaves were on the tree except for like a couple that were barely hanging on. Yeah, it was very quick. That... And typically they hold a little bit longer. They they defoliate a little earlier. But red oak, um, you know, it's a great as uh, Doug Tallamy mentioned that the benefits of of oaks with Lepidoptera, mm-hmm. but also the the fall color that reddish bronze tint. Uh, to that glossy leaf is pretty mm-hmm. spectacular and it really stands out yeah. oh, yeah. you know more so than other oaks in my opinion so yeah. and that's very prevalent here in new jersey you could see it anywhere yeah. in a lot and of the, the forest, and so. it's also a plant that's going to have a callback later on in this episode so yeah there you go yeah. there you go all right so you want to i'm going to let you take the lead yeah on yeah so this was one of the things when we started the buzz was we want to have not necessarily top 10 lists but lists of things um relative native plants and uh being that it's almost Thanksgiving, we yeah. wanted to have a Thanksgiving theme to this. So it was really probably native plants that were at the uh, at the first Thanksgiving. Which is hard to there, – there's not a whole yeah. lot of documentation. Yeah, there really is very, very little documentation. In fact, what I'll, I'll say this first. What we see on today's Thanksgiving table is wildly different than what they had. There's a little bit of crossover, but, yeah. but even the ingredients that you see crossover in, they're – in much different states than they would have been back then. Yeah, totally. Um, and doing a lot of the research for this, I there's so many things that I hadn't thought of about. Oh, like we see the pictures of the first Thanksgiving and the pilgrims and the Native Americans and sitting down at a table and and sharing a meal as like a thank you for the Native Americans helping them um, through that first year. But there was things that just I don't know they stick in your mind like the turkey. Everyone thinks that it was they had a turkey, but really the I think one of the only documented foods that they had at that first Thanksgiving was uh, venison, was yeah. was deer. And it was recorded that the uh, Native American elders coming to this meal brought five deer with them to to be part of the meal. And it was actually a multi-day thing, yeah. which that sounds good to me. I'd, I would <laughs> love that. Can we go back to that? Yeah. <laughs> like, first, we, we have to have off all of those days. I would totally just eat for can we make it five days let's say yeah three yeah. okay i'm being greedy we'll do three, yeah, three, we'll do three days good. that way but, you have one day to recover before coming back. but i don't want it to be black friday i would like it to be like tuesday <laughs> wednesday thursday yeah. and then have a three-day weekend to, <laughs> to now recover. you're asking <laughs> a little bit too much if you're gonna ask yeah. ask big yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, there's a lot of people wild turkey was in the area so it's um you can probably assume that that might have been part of the meal waterfowl would would have been part of the meal. Yeah. Um, you forget that they're right on the coast, so yeah. fish and and probably more specifically shellfish like clams and oysters, oysters. would be part of that meal. And when it's you... important to remember that like oysters have a lot of and well and clams have a lot of benefit today in cleaning the water. And there's a lot of great work happening in the Chesapeake Bay and the Delaware Bay, um, even in like um, uh, the Raritan Bay and and the New York Harbor in those areas. There's a lot of great work being done with shellfish specifically oysters on helping to clean some waterways that are considered incredibly dirty yeah and to bring back that population it's very well documented the decline of oysters uh in in the northeast and also the the decline in the size of the oyster that's found so so while they're not a native plant there's something um being in the native plant community especially along the coast we kind of see i don't want to say go hand in hand but but they're they're pretty closely related so yeah, so and 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 you wanted to debunk one of the myths about like pumpkin pie. Yeah, yeah. So that was another thing is you probably didn't find many pies or desserts, um, at least su- sweet ones, because uh, they had recorded that actually a year prior while they were still staying on the Mayflower before when most of the people were on the Mayflower before coming on the land they'd ran out of sugar already, <laughs> so there was no real way to to make those sweet desserts they probably didn't have much wheat flour since wheat this is a new land they didn't yeah. wheat was from uh, originally from like mesopotamia area the, the um was the cradle of civilization yeah so it was throughout europe and asia but was new in north america they didn't have wheat growing here to make wheat flour um so you figure there's not pie crust if yeah. that's the case so you're you're using different things and um and one thing that was noticeably absent that I hadn't really thought of until I started doing some research was honey. Yeah, makes total European sense. European honeybees, which we talked a little bit, of, we've talked a lot about it on this podcast, but a little bit with Doug Talmy as well. Um, well, they're a non-native species. That's a European honeybee, 
and they hadn't been brought to to North America yet. So mm. even if you're thinking, oh well, they since they don't have sugar, they could use honey. Well, no, that wasn't here yet. So no. really, the only sweetener um, that they had available was uh, was tree syrups, so maple syrup, birch syrup, those kind of things they could harvest and use that as a sweetener. But it wasn't. They no, definitely it, didn't have as much sweet stuff as we it, do today. If you've ever made birch syrup, the amount. Yeah. that you have to drain. I'm sure birch were more prevalent at that point, but just to convert that to syrup, that's a lot of work. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a lot of work. So um, in looking back, some of the documentation of what they thought that was native that might have been there, like history.com figures that you have to at least account for fruits that were indigenous to the region. Uh, blueberries should have been there, plums, grapes, uh, gooseberries, raspberries, of course, cranberry. Yeah, uh, and again, that's another ingredient that would have been in a much different uh, state than how we envision it. You're not open with a can opening, yeah. getting out that purplish reddish log. Yeah, it was uh, it was actual berry, which is very common in where we are in New Jersey and Massachusetts, and even out mm-hmm. in the Midwest a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it wouldn't have been sweetened. And uh, have you ever had like fresh cranberries before? You know, no, I haven't. And, you know, considering that New Jersey is what one of the top two producers of cranberries in the world, I've yeah. never had fresh cranberries. Yeah, they're they're very tart. They're not sweet like you think of when you're drinking yeah. cranberry juice or having definitely not cranberry sauce. Um, but I remember when I was in college, we had I was in a wetland ecology class. And a lot of that class, our labs, we would go out into wetlands. And um, I don't remember where we were, but I think it was a fen somewhere in upstate New York. And um there were, we were doing plant surveys and mm-hmm. peat surveys and doing all this cool stuff, and someone found like a, a stand of native cranberries <laughs> in this <laughs> fen, and um, and then we probably spent half the lab just picking cranberries. cranberries. <laughs> and the next lab, whoever went home with all the cranberries, actually made cranberry muffins out of them. Oh, and that's I awesome! Ate way more than I should have. You know, uh, when when uh, back in September when we kayaked um, through Pinelands Adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, we spotted cranberry growing along the banks, but we just could They were in places that we just couldn't really get yep. to. I so badly wanted to just hop out of the kayak <laughs> yeah. and grab some, but they eluded me. So that didn't hit my hit my uh, palate, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that uh, other the other thing that was probably, part, you know, present are are local nuts and acorns. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I'm curious, like if they were even documented cases of nut allergies back then i don't know i don't i, I would doubt it i would doubt it too well, but you know you have to figure and and nuts were probably a lot more prevalent then than they are today because you don't really have chestnuts anymore mm-hmm. and chestnuts were you know the majority of the forests in that region at that point uh beech nuts uh black walnuts butternuts hazelnuts hickory nuts uh you know they were most often consumed by the woodland people according to woodlandindian.edu and then some of the other plants that were probably either like blooming around that time or able to be used at that time um you had uh the sumacs especially like roost typhino was one where they actually make a drink out of it i mentioned in the the last episode of the buzz making a drink out of it and using it as a spice which i found out was actually a a middle eastern uh roost that they used but they said that the native ones you could do it and actually had a similar like a, a similar flavor yeah. profile, um, sassafras, which is originally used to make root beer. Root beer, yeah, because birch is birch and beer. Birch beer is the same thing. Beer, which yeah. I, is birch beer a thing outside of this area? I don't know if it is. Like it's, birch beer to me, like I always think of like central to western Pennsylvania yeah. um, or New Jersey. I don't really think of it out. I yeah, don't know if it is a thing outside of this area. I know, like for especially where we are, it's you go to get a tomato pie instead of a pizza. Yeah. You're getting a tomato pie and birch beer. beer yeah. And um, I don't know. I guess for our, our listeners that are outside of Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, you might not have a clue what we're talking about when it comes it, to, to birch beer. But birch beer is very similar to root beer. To me, I can't. If um, you were to have me taste both, I don't know that I could pick out what's what. Well, I could pick it Could out. you? Yeah. I don't think there, I could. There's, there's subtle differences. Birch beer has more complexity to the flavor okay. to me. Right. But um, another thing was a, a Jerusalem artichoke, which is a helianthus. Um uh, there's some wild onions. There's multiple varieties of wild onions they might have used. Cattails, there's multiple parts that are edible oh, yeah. and would have been um, uh, able to be harvested at that time. And then uh, rose hips, there's something else they might have used. No. And then there's some other stuff that we don't necessarily think of as native plants, um, 
like corn or maize. Um, and that's not what we see today. Definitely yeah. not sweet corn. And mm-hmm. that was along with acorns. That was what they made their flour out of to make different breads and, yeah. and those kind of things. Um, squashes were native to, native to, to North, North America. America yeah. um, and both the, the maize and the squashes are actually, I guess, originally um, came from like the south of the country and actually closer to Mexico. And it was just how people traveled and traded. That's how yeah. they made their way uh, to the East Coast. Nice. Um, and yeah, there's... I think that's so that try to incorporate some of those into your Thanksgiving yeah. meal. Oh, yeah. if, if you haven't listened to this after Thanksgiving, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. you know, it, you can kind of feel like, like you're a little mm-hmm. closer to home if you can incorporate. Yeah, there's, some of those uh, there's actually one of the websites I was on. I forget which one it was, had a bunch of recipes of stuff. And one of them was like cranberries and wild rice. And um, which wild rice was another thing that was native to like the northern Midwest, yeah. and I'm sure spread through trading and, and all that. And um, but there were some interesting recipes on there of what would have actually been right. might have been there, uh-huh. and different stews, and it was it didn't look like our things now for sure. I'll check that so. out though. So so to my dismay, we're going to move on to the next yeah the next oh, yeah. topic. Let's... Let me let me cue it. You can get with this, or you can get with that. So, we have to announce the results of the the last Buzz episode when we premiered this or that. So, Tom and, and I each debuted an article. And I've got a big smile on my face Tom, because I cleaned up. Um, we were expecting a couple more votes. I was a little dismayed that I only got 10 votes, but I was very happy that my 10 votes crushed your four votes you only got 10 votes but i only got four votes that was a lot of people didn't vote on this one i don't know that it would have changed the outcome had more people voted i have a feeling that your 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 article was a strong contender so congratulations you thank you you very much you won so very humble (laughs) i've had time to get over it i was a little bitter at first you know, because you, even try, you had a relative to rig, rig the vote. Yeah, I voted for myself. You voted start. for yourself, so then I voted for myself. But then you were calling for more votes, and, I, and you had a family member that you voted. were letting pollsters watch. While <laughs> <laughs> were... I, I'm discounting votes because they were family members. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think that family member read my article. I think they only read yours. You know, but then yeah. after a you while, you wanted them to stop the count and then yes. recount elsewhere. I kept trying to promote it, <laughs> yeah. and then. You know, to my dismay. At least you're not claiming the one still. Even. No, I didn't. So, so, but Tom is the winner, yeah. and and so I'm up one to nothing. And there is a winner is... because. And of course, my oh, choice is oh your... shoot! I hit the wrong one. Sorry. That's okay, man. So I lost and I messed up. <laughs> there is a winner because there can be only one. <laughs> There can be only one, and and Tom was the winner. So we do have another round. As the winner, because we we flipped last time, you can choose to read first or defer. Fran, I'm going to let you go first, so I know how much I need to pump up this article. (laughs) All right. I have an article, but again, maybe I should be – maybe I would have a better chance at winning if I came better prepared because I get an article. That would be a strong start. Because I have nothing – I have the article in front of me, but I didn't write any notes or, or I, I should probably better prepare. It would probably help me. But um, so the title of my article is One Tasmanian's 54 Year Obsession to Catalog All of the World's Edible Plants to End Malnutrition. So it's it's more on a global level. So uh, this is uh, Bruce French, who has cataloged it in the last 54 years over 31,000 edible plants uh, globally. And it kind of started for him. He was teaching agriculture in New Guinea, um, and his students were were really asking about native plants for them that they mm. could eat, that they could grow. And he, he kind of took it, and it. So it wasn't just for the sake of science. It was for the sake of teaching people what they have at their uh, – just available to uh, yeah, them. Yeah, what, what's available for them to sustain themselves, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be self-dependent and not, you know, de- uh, depend on imports or anything like mm-hmm. or, or someone else. You know, something that you can get your hands on and grow yourself locally. And, and they did make a database that's available online, uh, and I'm trying to uh, remember um, – it's called Food Plant Solutions. Agronomist Buzz Green uh, helped found it to uh, promote 
Mr. French's database. So, um, which I think is very admirable. So it's 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 relevant here, but it's relevant everywhere. So it's it's just what can you do to end hunger? And we often overlook native plants. And I know one of our listeners has been talking more. Uh, it was Darren uh, talking more mm-hmm. about doing edibles in the Pacific uh, Northwest of, of what he can do in his own property where, that he can self-sustain. Um, and I think this is a great resource in the same vein. So I, I felt that it was a good enough good enough message to yeah. to oh, use yeah. as my, my article. And it keeps it on theme with the whole Thanksgiving thing with it, the it, edible plants. It, so that's what we were just talking about uh, before. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So there and I, I know a lot of people and they, their highlights of Thanksgiving are tend to be meat based, but Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving with all the plants that without all the plants that it, made it possible. Exactly. So I, I just thought it was very fitting and it was great. It, that's a very good feel good story. I thought yeah. um, that that's it, for good reasons uh, is a feel good story. Yeah. So mine was uh, was published through the Ecological Landscape Alliance. Okay. And um, I guess it's more of an opinion piece, but it is titled An Argument for Dropping Time and Place When Determining Native Ranges. I actually saw this article. Yeah. I, and, I thought um, about this. And basically what the author – the author's uh, Dan Wilder. And um, his whole argument is that the time and place for native ranges of plants kind of exclude the ecological benefit of them. And um, and then we'll think about some of the things we talked about before with the like maize and uh, Jerusalem artichoke, really yeah. not native to that area of Massachusetts, but were being used and had some ecological benefit, not just to the humans, but to other animals and insects that were in mm-hmm. that area. So he was making a call to drop that from uh, – because there's – well, I like to claim that there is a hard and fast definition to what's a native plant, what's yeah. not. Um, you can find numerous like definitions of what a native plant is. Yeah. Everyone kind of has their own little little tweak. And while, like I said, I think that well, this is this is the actual definition. This yeah. was recognized by USDA and, and all these places, so that's what I'm going with. Um, there's still people who argue with that, and and. You know, and I can see that point. If you think about it from this perspective, that Dr. Sala and I can't remember the name of the the scientist that did the study, but when he was working with single cell organisms to determine predator prey, mm-hmm. and that one of the things that predators needed was space to roam, to go to where the prey is easy. Yeah. So you can easily apply that to plants. Like for us, where we're located at, we're in the coastal plain, and then the next plain over to us is Piedmont. Mm-hmm. There's a transition area. It's not like there's yeah. a hard line like – because you have plants that are available in both Piedmont and Coastal Plain. But there's a transition. It, it's not a hard line where these plants stop growing here and then the next zone is here. You know, They kind of vary and they move, and we've talked about climate change and, and things like sugar maple moving further north where the climate better suits them. Plants adapt and move on their own. We tend to think of them as stationary and put them in a box, but they're going to adapt – the best mm-hmm. ways they can based on their their yeah. changes. Oh, so. Yeah. And and so he goes on and talks about like Agastache funiculum and uh, and Minarda didyma, which are two awesome awesome plants, but not native. And he's based out of Massachusetts, not native to New England, or maybe they are on the fringe. But um, but that doesn't mean they don't have ecological benefit in New England. And it's something that is attractive, can be like well commonly found in landscapes already, and is a benefit to a lot of pollinators and and other insects and wildlife as well so but they wouldn't be considered native under the current um widely recognized definition which i i recognize and i agree with that i think that's a good point I, i do too where he loses me a little bit is because he says that it doesn't um it doesn't account for human interactions which uh I guess I should step back and say my definition of what a native plant is and what USDA basically outlines is it's what was here before European contact. Yeah. Um, or I guess European settlement. I shouldn't say yeah. contact because that's 200 years previous. Um, and why I like that definition is because that's when things started to change much, much quickly and from much further areas. Yes. You think about... I kind of think we kind of look through rose-colored glasses about human migration over time. Um, take the Bering Land Bridge, for yeah, example. Yeah. 
we kind of think that you had people in Russia who said, hey, we want to go over there. And a week later, they were on the other side. Yeah. This was really a process that took hundreds of years yes. through settlements and exploration. It wasn't something where, like you or I would say, hey, mm-hmm. we want to go to California. We get on a plane, fly across, or even if we even if we walked across without stopping, we have the luxury of stopping at a McDonald's or yeah. going to the bathroom someplace or where in their situation – there was nothing along that route. You had to make a camp, and then it was the next group would say, "Okay, we want to push a little bit further." Yeah, it wasn't. It like, wasn't like it wasn't we like have they today. they crossed the bridge and went, "Ah, let's go to Mexico." Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't know what was in front of them, or the predators that yeah. they would find at that that time frame. So, so even though they were definitely bringing plants with them, that was just would be just what you would do. You'd say, "Well, I know this grows; it produces food. I'm going to bring it with me." It was taking still decades to centuries to millennium for those plants to actually travel. Um, And even if you look even more in in continental North America, well, you brought up pawpaws on a past episode. And they really, if you look at a map, um, well, from the book we were referencing, it showed them being native along the Delaware River. If you look at a map, the range of pawpaws really tends to follow rivers. One explanation of that is that Native Americans knew it was a food source and brought it with them and their main travel routes were often rivers yep. and just planted along the way. So it's probably a more southern species, but as native groups traveled north, they just brought it with and them. And then they slowly disappeared. So, But that took a long time to do. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to be, be in Louisiana and walk to Minnesota and just plant. Like I'm like Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Pawpaw. Yeah, Johnny Pawpaw. Pawpaws along the way everywhere I go. <laughs> it took probably decades for that to actually matriculate. Yeah. Now you talk with European settlement, well, you have stuff that was now thousands of miles away on American soil within a couple months. Yeah. Um, and now you're constantly just bringing more over. Um, like I kind of mentioned before, and well, now you look at today, we have numerous flights going to all parts of the world multiple times a day. Probably there's hundreds of flights that are going yeah. internationally back and forth and now you compound that with shipping and and all kinds of stuff it's no wonder that there's more plants and more invasive insects and just other insects that aren't invasive just coming into our shores and going out every day that's why i like that i'm getting way off here but that's why i like that european contact because that's when it really sped up fast that goes back i was going to say so you you look at catalpa Mm -hmm. um actually not catalpa what's the plane i'm thinking of uh Royal Empress Tree, Polonia, mm-hmm. um, which you can find all up and down the Delaware River in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and mature trees, and you think, oh, these have, these have to be native here. They're not. That's the the holes of the the seed is what they used for packaging to come from yeah. Asia uh, to the United States via boat. So all that packaging, there was seed in it, and boom, there you go. I mean, it's there's impacts going back for hundreds and hundreds of years. So. so. The last thing I'll bring up from this, um, maybe the last thing, and this is actually a um, a quote from from Dr. Doug Talmy and Rich Dark's first book, The Living Landscape, um, and they define native as a plant or animal that has evolved in a given place over a period of time sufficient to develop complex and essential relationships with the physical environment and other organisms in a given ecological community, which actually wraps up pretty nice. And the author goes on and says, well, that kind of rules out purple loose strife. Because while it does produce some pollen, it's not complex or it's not a complex or central relationship. Yeah. Where there's other things, um, uh, he writes, uh, bald cypress does form a complex and uh, central relationship, even though it might not have been native to New England, it was native further south. Yeah. So he brings up a lot of good points. Yes. I don't know if I'm ready to give <laughs> give way. Maybe that that time, or yeah. the, excuse me, maybe that place portion i can give up a little bit on but the time part i'm pretty hard because that's when it really started to rapidly change you don't have to agree with all of it you just have to ask the right questions but uh but what i really liked about it most is it challenges our existing thoughts and uh and that's something we always have to do in every aspect of our life but especially with native plants we constantly have to challenge how we think about things and um we've talked about honeybees again in this episode but at nauseam a lot of times and well, honeybees are really what launched a lot of this pollinator movement and saving pollinators. And now it's coming out, maybe they aren't as beneficial to 
uh, well, they definitely aren't beneficial to the native plants and um, and native bee populations. But it's still helping by raising awareness. Yes. Even though they might not be the best fit for uh, for that. So I, I forget exactly where I was going I, I, at that point. That's all right. I think but, I'm, I find myself making a better, better argument yeah. for your your article than my so, own. Uh, what I was trying to say is we we – even though, okay, so 10 years ago, five years ago, we loved honeybees. Everyone loved yeah. honeybees. They thought they were great. As we found out more, it's okay to reanalyze your stand. Yeah. It's uh, one of the lines I, I love that I hear every time or every once in a while is, I, I used to poop my pants when I was young, but I, I changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, it's, like, so it's okay to change your opinion on things when you're presented with new information. Good it's, information, good yeah. facts and science. So yeah. totally. So we we gave you two good articles we do encourage everyone to vote more than 14 votes yeah. actually 12 votes cuz Tom and I both voted yeah, for yeah. ourselves so and my mom voted for yeah so so more than more than 11 <laughs> votes like please vote so we can keep this going if we don't get the votes honestly we're not going to keep doing it because if you don't have interest in it then yeah. it doesn't make sense to to keep to yeah. keep beating it so a vote for our articles is a vote for us to keep doing it yes, that's one yes. way to look at so it so if if you like the segment vote if you don't like the segment, don't vote. You know, yeah. but that that just tells us what you want. But anyway, we'll we'll wrap it up with. And of course, the choice is yours. All right. So, um, we do have a we do have a listener question. Someone did someone did call in with a, a question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? When I'm looking at the. Uh, the soundboard i realized i was going to give you a drum roll before you announced the winner oh, i was going to okay. ask you if you yeah. wanted a drum roll yeah. but i forgot that's okay you want it you want it now no I'm, I'm okay we'll, we'll save, save it for the it. next yeah. save it for the next maybe one. you'll be the winner next time and maybe we and we'll be like yourself. end the drum roll please <laughs> all right so um we did get a, a question on the the question and answer line and and we we're going to play that and then hopefully we can answer give a good answer for that yeah, question. I'm, right. I'm still waiting for a question that i can't answer but at least i'm sure there's 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 tons <laughs> but at least yeah. we'll we'll find who knows the answer for that like mm. that the last one um uh, that uh someone had the question i i asked our propagator because yeah. i didn't know i didn't know the answer so um you know even if we don't know the answers we'll get the right answer but uh so the question is Hi, my name is Carol, and my question is, I am redeveloping a bank. It's a pretty steep bank. It's a pretty high bank, and I'm looking for native plants that I can plant on that bank that will give me color and um, pollinator interest throughout the seasons, and I'm just wondering, and hold the bank, and I'm wondering if you can give me some advice for that. Now I listened in advance and cut out the phone number yeah, this time, that's, that's so smart. I didn't have to panic. Like, real and that's quick for time. future callers. You don't have to. We it, have. We, it, we know what your call, number is. There's it, caller yeah, ID. It gives us caller ID. There's caller ID. So you don't have to leave your number. We we do yeah. see it. So, but I did listen this time and cut the number that's, out. <laughs> so um, I am going to assume that the bank is dry. That's mm-hmm. that's my most most banks are dry, yes, not yeah. exclusively, but I'm going to assume that. So. You need to start with a good foundation. Even though you do want good flowering things, you, you want to get something that's deep rooted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to uh, the last last buzz when we were talking about things for a septic field. Yeah. You, you want it shallower. This time, you want something deep rooted, something that's going to mm-hmm. hold. So, start with a, a, a good uh, uh, base to stabilize your your bank. A uh, little blue stem and broom sedge, mm-hmm. both two to three foot tall, very striking. Well. We'll we'll start a very good foundation to stop erosion and hold that bank. So if if you're rebuilding that bank first, and if you need to regrade, uh, we recommend using something like a a, a core log or a silt sock uh, at the toe of that slope, mm-hmm. and you want to plant in those because they are biodegradable, so they will disappear over time. So uh, if you're using that product, you need to plant to help hold that bank or slope. Um, and you can use that with coordination with like a core mat um, for a slope. I would say core mat 400 or something like a C2, but it's going to depend if you're mm. using wallflower seed, you're going to yeah. have to do yeah. uh, like a core mat 400 or um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, no, that's probably my, yeah. I, I would probably, you need something strong because you, you need it. That's going to give you longevity and the strength to mm. hold, hold that. Until that the vegetation slope. can really 
take foot. Yeah. So on the the flower side of things, and this is again assuming that it's a, a drier site. Um, and talk about two things that defy place to start out. You have purple coneflower and black eyed susans. Yeah. More, I, which I didn't know about the black eyed susans. Rebecca Herta. Yeah. That's actually more of a. A midwestern species yeah. purple coneflower definitely more of a midwestern species that's an but, introduced native to here but yeah, they but have survived well yeah survives well has a lot of ecological function and it's it's has i would think complex relationships with with um the the uh, <clears throat> excuse me with the animals and insects that in this in this area um Another one is landsleaf tick seed. Uh, you have a lot of the bee bombs. Yeah. Um, is one that I like a lot because it doesn't get too tall, but it, it's big enough and it can spread a little bit. Um, Joe pies are always good. Yeah. So they're some of my favorites for especially pollinator plantings. And then uh, and then blazing star is and, another good one. And you the the things you just mentioned extremely great pollinator plants as yeah. well so yeah. you're you're holding your bank or your slope but you're you're doing a ton of great pollinator work too plus you're getting a, a nice diverse uh uh range of bloom color and bloom time yeah. so so <laughs> i think that answers that one yeah I, I i wasn't sure if i wanted to even mention this but we do have one other call yeah, which you you alluded to me previously. I'm at, I, I, I'm at I a point it. where it's I, I, on our show notes. It I, says, "Tom, do not read the next page." You know, because <laughs> so I'm going I, down. I don't know. I wasn't do sure that I even wanted to bring this up. So, I, and this this has a backstory to okay. it, unfortunately. So, am I allowed to scroll down more now? Or you can you can scroll down. Okay. So, at the I'll, last I'll at the last place that I worked, I had a customer. That was in the industry because we're wholesale to the trade, much like mm-hmm. Pinelands Nursery. But one of their employees got my extension and really had nothing to do with the industry. They they were more uh, on the financial side. Mm-hmm. But they would constantly call me and pick my brain. And I guess the polite way to say it was they needed a lot of hand-holding. And it was very difficult sometimes. Um, so <laughs> – when I came to Pinelands Nursery, I was very happy thinking I would I would not have to deal with this person <laughs> again. But they fa- because of the success of, of the podcast, they they found me. So um, they called and left a question, and I'm thinking <laughs> I wasn't going to play because I didn't want to encourage him. But I'm thinking that he had a lot of good points, and, and we need to correct some of his assumptions mm-hmm. that would be – valuable to is our listeners. Is he going to appreciate how you how you just spoke about him on here? I don't really care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't really care, but with with enough said, I'm I'm going to play his message. Hi, hello. Am I on the air now? I, I was calling for Fran and John the plant men and uh, I have a, a horticultural question if you will. Now men, you were speaking at length about the natives and the invasion species, and I would like to talk about a topic of mutual interest about, oh goodness, I think about a year ago, I planted a plant for some birds, and it's called the Berberis, and I planted one plant, the Thudbergii. I thought I might get a couple of birds to come by and fly around it, and I could look at them and perhaps, you know, have a conversation. But wouldn't you know it, Fran, Pam, whoever, the Berberis took off like I was cooking hotcakes. And I think that's what you men were describing as the invasion species. Now, I have hundreds of birds now, and they're going crazy on Berberus. And men, may I tell you this in confidence? I know this is a family show, but I have a deck outside my kitchen where I like to sit and drink coffee. I like the Starbucks. I I like the French roast. It reminds me of when I went to Europe, and I, I couldn't get a single stick and cup of coffee in the entire country of Europe. But anyway, I have to rename my deck the Poop Deck. Right? Because these <laughs> birds are creating extensive reparations to the deck area, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. So what I want to know, my topic of inquiry, is when I get my landscape at Dennis Craig to remove the Berberus, the Thunbergii, what should he replace it with? I want some birds. Sure, okay, fine. But they should stay about four feet away from my deck. Do you make some kind of a native plant with a force field? like a shield of science that goes up into the heavens and acts as some type of a shield or a, or a barrier. 
because I think that would be terrific. Thank you, men. I really, I need your help. Something awful. Okay. I'll, I'll wait for the seven second delay. Okay. Thank you. My, my name is Saul. Saul Rosenberg. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Thank you. Thank you. G- g- goodbye. All right. For, for, for those of you considering a career in sales, I'll just leave you with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did like that he mentioned it's a family show because we work really hard to to keep it clean. Yeah, keep it clean. We, we really do. And we, it is a family show. It is a family yeah. show. So, so I, I I wasn't going to encourage Saul, but I figure he had some really good points. One, his first choice was uh, an invasive, not invasion species, but an mm-hmm. invasive species, and that's something that we talk about with with so many of our guests, especially Doug Tallamy in the last one, that there has to be some kind of um, education. Mm-hmm. You know, the end consumer needs to be educated that these plants aren't good. Yeah, sure, they they have a red leaf and and they're striking and maybe they're they're hardy and, and urban tolerant, but they're not necessarily great for the environment. Mm-hmm. They're they're very invasive. So um, the fact that you had a bad experience with that plant is kind of good because it made you ask the question of, yeah. of what to oh, plant. Yeah. So the other thing too is when you're if when you're planting native plants and we're going to promote native plants because that's what we do. Um, you if you're creating the proper habitat for birds on your property, you you won't necessarily have them on your deck. Mm-hmm. So if you have the right habitat and you're planting maybe 10 20 feet away, they're going to stay where the habitat is is great for them. Um, so we kind of highlighted some of the best choices that you could use for for plants. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a uh, you know we could start off with with elderberry and and we sing the praises of elderberry all the time. Uh, you get the berries um, and the plant also hosts forty uh, lepidoptera lepidoptera species uh, plus the human uses. So the birds mm-hmm. like the berries. We like the berries. There's you. Uh, Tom has made. Um, fritters from the flowers yeah. so oh, yeah. it's there's a lot of great benefits for that so i thought that would be a good one to start mm-hmm. with yeah and then you have high bush blueberry which looks like another thing that looks awesome right now yeah. that would have been a good plant for that's hot oh yeah um, totally just because it gets like that fire red but also great for birds because it produces like a berry that humans also like as well yeah um arrowwood viburnum maybe not as flashy as as some of these other species but uh the berries are great for fall migrant uh birds and nesting uh catbirds mockingbirds cardinals all like uh arrowwood viburnum for nesting so that's a great choice for habitat and for for food source yeah um winterberry holly is another one where it hosts uh it has the the berries and, and nesting opportunities but also hosts 30 uh, lepidoptera species as well and that's wonderful plus yeah. that the the berries when they're uh in full, oh full yeah, glory. it's, it's, it's ornamental beautiful. for for the winter too. Oh, totally. So. And then chokeberry, um, and that's important. You know, it it has the name chokeberry because it's not necessarily the favorite uh, berry for for birds or wildlife, but they will eat them when everything else has been depleted. So it's a good late season. You're you're kind of ensuring food for them as the season goes out. So um, it's a good choice. So. Plan all of them. Don't just pick one. Yeah. Plan them all. You'll you'll create a good bird habitat. You can have a good conversation with them and view them from afar from your deck without any extensive reparation. Yeah, and you'll keep it as a family-friendly show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So uh, I don't know if that's going to encourage Saul to call more now that we played him on air. And I find in my experience it's it's definitely going to encourage him. Yeah. But that, that was okay. I could take – if it's in small increments like that, that that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was. Yeah. It, it ended up being <laughs> think, a good call. I do think we should start calling ourselves the plants. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the that name's probably taken. Actually, I know it's taken. I, it's taken. <laughs> so, all right. So, I have. I told you I had a surprise for you. So, it's a it's a little off topic, but not. So, I saw online, um, that an advertisement for these cards called Pod Decks. It's a podcaster, Travis Brown, hmm. that came out with these. So. And each each deck has different intended use. So okay. um, I bought a couple. So cool. one is the interview deck, which you can just take a random question to ask. Uh, they're thoughtful and different type of questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking next time we have a guest on that we know. Yeah. Because it's going to be off topic because it's not going to oh, deal yeah. with plants. Yeah. But maybe we can turn it into 
a plant question, but mm-hmm. maybe when we start having people in, we can let them pick a card out of the deck. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we all have to Let's... answer it. But the other one is the episode deck. Now, I'm not sure if it's meant to be questions to start an episode or or provoke an episode mm-hmm. or if it's something to do in an episode. So you can see these this pack is unopened. I thought we could open one and pick one yeah. and see – what you is need telling? like a, a knife or something. Uh, for maybe <laughs> I'm having maybe some, some scissors. Let me let me try. Scissors this. are hard to come by in this office. They are. They're, actually, there's a pair right in front of me, but I think I, as I bite it open, yeah. <laughs> let me see here. All right, I got it. I got it. So I will say that. I'm trying to forgot what I was going to say. Oh, if I wonder how many people buy these. Like they're starting a podcast and I get this stuff to like really for inspiration. You know, I I thought it was a great idea because maybe if if we hit a point where we can't yeah. oh, yeah. we have so many ideas, I don't know how we're going to get to them all. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be hurt to just incorporate a little bit of uncertainty yeah. into oh, it yeah. just not knowing what's going to happen, be a little uncomfortable yeah. and see what happens. So here, I'm gonna hand these to you. If you want to pick one out and read it. Oh man, this is gonna to be tough. tough. All, right, all, right, I got all right. Let's see what it says. Pick We've one transferred out. the deck. But, but so listen. So I, I'm I'm thinking if it's not something we can do here now, maybe we can incorporate it somehow yeah. into oh, the yeah. next episode of the Buzz. All right, I'm shuffling. All right. I wonder if I can get a good and good I, I, sound on here. I will say the if anyone else is doing a podcast and is interested, the customer service was incredible. Plus, there's an app that goes along with it, and even if you don't have the physical cards in front of you, you unlock them in the app, so you can still access them, and it will pick, randomly pick them. All right, I'm going to put the microphone down next to the cards as I all shuffle. Right, see. Right. Oh, you can hear that. Okay. All right. So they, everyone knows that they are They're random. adequately it, shuffled it's now. It's random. I can right. do a bridge. Right. Nice. And I'm going to pick one out of the middle. All right. Let's see. What's it say? What I learned about myself this quarter. Oh, you want to, you want to do that? This is one we could do now. Yeah, yeah, we could do that now. I think that's an interesting, introspective uh, question. And that's not even yeah. the interview deck. That's just yeah. The, oh yeah. Yeah, Fran, I'm going to let you go first. All right. You know, I had to think about it for a second, but I think I got. You know, this year has been really challenging for everyone. Not yeah. you know, I th- I think anyone could say 2020 from start to finish has been really challenging. Started off incredible for me with. Um, getting engaged just a couple mm-hmm. days into the new year and then uh it was very challenging from that point forward you know i'm thankful that all my family and friends and coworkers have been safe and that's one thing to be thankful for to kind of bookend it um but the one thing i learned about myself was from this podcast i want to say just it it kind of reinvigorated what I do for a living, mm-hmm. and, and we've we've mentioned this on Pat's podcast that it's it's real easy to get caught in, um, just like a cycle because it's it's a job. You, you know you're doing good, but it's also you're doing it for a living. And you know I learned how much I love this this industry and what I do. Um, I kind of knew, but it kind of uh, COVID reinvigorated my love for nature and and connecting with nature more and actually spent this past weekend in a tent like kind of just enjoying in the backyard not even like we didn't even go anywhere we just pitched a tent in the backyard and um i find myself more refocused and uh regenerated towards this and and you know sometimes it takes extreme cases to get you to focus on that kind of stuff so i think personally just it made me Resolidified my love for for doing this Mm -hmm. because like anything else you know there's people that love making music or love making uh, art that sometimes you know becomes tedious and it's uh it kind of made it you know made me thankful this podcast really helped and it's how much i didn't know <laughs> it's very yeah. humbling and how much there is to learn still um i think for me that's my biggest yeah takeaway from for the first one is how m- much less sleep i actually need <laughs> <laughs> to operate on a day-to-day basis <laughs> um yeah that's been if I like would have thought, I, I used to actually sleep quite a bit less. Yeah. Um. Then when I got married, we just I don't know. I guess with age, you just start going to bed earlier, and uh, and staying up like 
or you don't stay up as late nearly as often. Yeah. Uh, if I made it to midnight, which was maybe once every probably once every quarter wow. <laughs> after I got married, <laughs> that was like a a very very rare thing, and I was like hurt. It didn't matter if I drank or not. I, yeah. I would hurt the next day. Um, so that's one part is like, man, you really don't need to sleep as much. And yeah, if you, it, this is really where it comes in that my wife and I are a really good team. Um, when we see the other ones starting to struggle because they've been up three or four times at night, which doesn't happen much anymore. But even if you're up a couple times at night, um, like if I was doing it, she'll volunteer. Hey, I'll take the next night. Or if she's been really struggling during the day, I say, hey, let you go take care of yourself. Let me take over for a little bit. So we've been really good that way. Um, but the other thing I've learned also, and this is more for this year, but also yeah. revolves around the podcast, is how little I actually knew about the whole oh. function of native plants and all the different facets totally. that I went through. I I used to, but I, I plan on going to a lot of conferences, but I used to go to a lot of conferences, um, just represent the company, learn new things. I always loved sitting in all these seminars. Uh, like I mentioned, I've seen Claudia West talk, I don't know, probably half a dozen to ten times. I, yeah. I, I don't I lost count, but it was every time I went somewhere and she was on the agenda, I went in her room because I know she was going to give me something new. I've I seen agree. Doug Talmy talk half a dozen plus times. I've seen so many people, even people I didn't know. Uh, Dwayne Estes was another yeah. one. I didn't know who he was when I walked in the room, but I sat down and I'm like, man, that guy knows what's going on, and he's someone we want to be involved with because he's just he's pushing this objective further yeah he's one of the people that's going to pick up that ball and take it as far as he possibly can um and uh so i felt like i was pretty well-rounded but then you sit down and you get on the phone with again with doug talamy with yeah. claudia west with Dwayne estes with um Saint marcus Drogue. gray with, Mark, Drogue, with just about everyone we've well, really with everyone we've had on and they just kind of push what i thought i knew and take it 10 steps further because they're experts in that one facet. Totally. Where I've like, okay, I've listened to them and I've dabbled in every part of it, but I, I didn't know everything. And they sit down and they don't tell us everything, but they take me way further than. And, and some I of these been. people are people that we know. Claudia West, even though we yeah. saw her spoke, yeah. we worked at companies where we would we would speak to each other. But mm -hmm. you, it tends to be more on a business level. We don't get to have these kind of conversations mm -hmm. that we're having on the podcast with them. And you find out how much you don't even know about people that you know, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. which is really interesting. We we always try to portray Kelly everyone. Kelly Gill was a great she, example. Oh, she it was, was fantastic. We had, I had no clue <laughs> that she was an art major. No, exactly. It's, exactly. And it's you, you get to know everyone a little bit better and it strengthens mm -hmm. that bond. Yep. And uh, I, I'm really thankful for all of that. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I think wow, I like these cards. Yeah, yeah, these are pretty neat. I had I had my doubts at first. I'm like, we are good at coming up with our own yeah. ideas, but it it yeah. was a nice thing that we probably wouldn't have brought up had we not done that. You yeah. want to incorporate them in future ones? Yeah. yeah All right. We'll so if, keep doing it. If anyone's interested, it's poddex.com, and it's Travis Brown uh, who does a lot of podcast lessons. So I'll give him a free plug because mm -hmm. cool. I think that definitely helped helped a and little here bit. Here I hurt. was thinking you just misspelled poop deck. No, no, Poddex, Poddex. So um, I wanted to bring up one more thing before we close out. So we're actually, we're, we're closing in. We're like 55 minutes, 56 oh, minutes. Yeah, yeah uh, we, so. knew, we knew it was going to happen again. That's okay, I'm good with an hour. Yeah. At least it's not like two hours and we're still. And it's right before a holiday. You have, a lot of podcasts take off Friday. Yes. So yes. you're going to have Friday. You're going to need things to listen to. Most of you probably aren't going into work. Um, or if you are, if you if you are going into work, then you definitely need something to listen to. So yeah, totally. So I wanted to bring up. I started to try to bring this up during the Claudia West, but you had to you had we to run out of time. We were running yeah. out of time, and you had to reel me in. I've been really yeah. off topic <laughs> yeah. the last few episodes. So Tom's done a great job at reeling me in. But one of the things that was on the list that we didn't talk about, and it's off topic, that uh, in a recent survey, New Jersey was ranked the most hated state in the U.S. And considering we're in New Jersey, I just wanted to bring that up to get your thoughts. You grew up in – you were born yeah. and grew up yeah, in New so Jersey. Yeah, so I grew up here, and I definitely felt that when I was going out of state. But um, I'll, I'll put it this way. <laughs> I hate New Jersey too <laughs> in a lot of parts. But not – it's uh, – what. so I went to college right when the Jersey sewer was coming out. Okay, yeah. So it was – you found out – 
people found out you were from New Jersey and didn't really quite put together that why aren't you like these people who weren't actually from New Jersey just vacation in New Jersey. Yeah. And um so yeah, what what people the perception of New Jersey, oh yeah, I'm I don't like that either. I'm not Yeah. And everyone in this area and south of New Jersey yeah. is not like that. There's definitely parts of New Jersey that are like that where you get the loud um like the loud New Jersey accent and everything. But when I would go to places, people thought I was from, apparently I had like a Southern accent. People thought I was from Tennessee, Texas, North Carolina. I, it was. I get that too. And, yeah. you know, I'm okay with people thinking this about New Jersey because it helps keep, it's already a populated state. Yeah. It keeps it keeps people away. But New Jersey in a lot of respects to me is one large suburb. Mm-hmm. And it's like North Northern New Jersey is a suburb of New York, and Southern New Jersey is a suburb yep. of Philadelphia almost. But New Jersey, a lot of people that don't know the state think of the murder trifecta of of the world. It's yeah, like they yeah. think Camden, Trenton, Newark. Um, but New Jersey is so diverse, and I think we oh. highlight that here. Yeah, you do have the whole coastal range. Um, you have things like the Sourlands. You mm. have Northwest, which is very rocky and mountainous. Um, you have a lot of farmland where we're at, and it's flat. There's there's so many different areas of New Jersey to appreciate, and it's known as the Garden State yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Um, so it's it's funny the impression of what a lot of people think of New Jersey that maybe haven't been here because mm-hmm. I don't think it's very accurate. Yeah. But like you said, there's parts of New Jersey that I, I'm yeah. definitely not. A fan I always of. like to describe it to people, my friends when I was like when I was college or just someplace else. I always like to say, you know what, it's a place where I can do just about anything I want within yeah. an hour. Like it, outside, if I wanted to go downhill skiing, okay, I'm looking at an hour. Oh, I could probably find a place. You could probably hour. find it. Yeah. But it's like, if you wanted to get decent downhill skiing, you're driving probably an hour and a half, two hours, yeah. maybe a little bit more. You, but I can go to the beach. You can go to New York city. You can go to Philadelphia. You could do, you can get to Baltimore to in two hours. Yeah. yeah. Numerous malls. Um, right where we are, we're living in an agricultural area. So you have farms all over. So yeah. we can go and, um, Burlington County you go to different sand pits and, and you have the Pine Barrens you have the, oh yeah. the Highlands yeah it's you have so many different ecosystems so many different activities that are right here where when I used to live in upstate New York it was you're in the mountains it took me half an hour just to go to the you grocery the store yeah <laughs> to get to the grocery yeah. store it was that was all you really had you I, didn't have much else I can't remember if I mentioned this on a previous podcast it might have been one of the earliest ones but Burlington County New Jersey were, which is what we're in and it's a very large county um, is number four, at least at the time of the survey, was number four in the country for counties with um, produce directly to consumer. Yeah. So like farm markets, farm stands, that type of thing. And the top three were in California. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that's pretty significant. That's yeah. a, that's oh, a yeah. way of life for us mm-hmm. here is the, the, the local farm market or farm stand. So um, I think it's pretty diverse. And I think it's pretty interesting that you know how many people took that survey that had never been to New Jersey. Yeah. You just picked yeah. pick New Jersey. Oh, yeah. We definitely have a bad reputation on a national level um, because of our media. But there's a, we have a lot to offer. Yeah. And um, when people are allowed to travel, there's a lot to do here. So maybe maybe think about coming to New Jersey. I or like going to other places. Too. Or not. Or not. You, or not. you can stay away. <laughs> it is definitely congested in a lot of places. I will say that. And it's hard when you get close to one of those cities, you're definitely fighting congestion. Yeah. So yeah. it's what I'm trying to remember how many, is it 8 million people in New yeah, Jersey? Yeah, about, about 8 million. And square foot, I mean, you can drive from one end to the other in probably. From tip th- to tip, like th- I think it's less than four hours yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, it's it's not a very big, big, you can get from the Delaware River to the beach in a little over an hour. Yep. So it's it's not, not very wide, not very big, but it's, it's it's populated yeah so so we're over an hour we should probably yeah what do you think wrap yeah yep so that wraps it up thank you for joining us today we hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz thank you everyone for listening native plants healthy planet presented by pylons nursery and who are oh wait no you don't say who you are yet i'm like did i forget to type something in i'm totally out of it today (laughs) wow uh, we're giving a big thank you to Stephen Marr for contributing uh, our theme music, although we are still soliciting theme music for the Buzz. That's if, right, if, yeah. If you want to contribute uh, new theme music for just the Buzz episodes, and I think we can probably do the same for the Roundtable episodes yeah. when we get there. Yep. Uh, but if you want to contribute uh, theme music for the Buzz, you can send it to info at nativeplantshealthyplanet.com, um, and we'll pick a winner from that. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, 
Instagram at Pinelands Nursery and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Also, uh, thank you for the love on YouTube. Uh, the Buzz episodes have been really taking off uh, mm-hmm. a life of their own. Um, we had the question and answer line. Uh, thank you for calling in. Let's keep that going. We appreciate We want more calls from Saul. Do we really? I like, I like the uh, call from Saul. You really don't yeah. know what you're <laughs> what you're asking for. But you can call us at 215-346-6189, ask a question or leave a comment. And if we pick your question or comment, we'll play it and answer it on a future uh, episode of The Buzz. And let's not forget the Facebook group. You guys have been really wonderful. And, and you know, like anything else, there's lulls, but it's been picking back up again. So thank you. Keep it going over there. Yeah. And one thing we keep forgetting to add in, I keep forgetting to add yeah. in, is – um. We have a native plants healthy planet Instagram as well. Oh yeah, where during the the summer we actually I was doing a lot of sharing of events that were going on. There was some volunteer opportunities that I know Sourlands Conservancy had a bunch of volunteer opportunities, and um, they ended up fulfilling what they needed. I think uh, they got more volunteers than they yeah. needed. Yeah. But that was one of the things I was really putting doing over the summer was trying to take those opportunities when i saw them and just share them through our stories so people could see them now it's been a little slower um we aren't posting as much but we do have a a a native plants healthy planet instagram as well um you can listen native plants healthy planet directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com you can also check us out at apple Podcasts. uh we've been getting a ton of five-star reviews which i can't stress enough how much we appreciate those they're just they're that little bit that just makes you feel good and say okay we are doing the right thing and and the f- want to keep it going feedback is and and we say it all the time like when without feedback you kind of feel like you're on an island yep. so it's nice just to know that that people are enjoying what you're doing yeah so you can also listen on podbean spotify stitcher or wherever you consume your podcast you can even ask alexa to play the native plants healthy planet podcast thanks everyone i'm tom and i am fran thank you again everyone have a very happy thanksgiving uh we'll see you all next time until then keep it native Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.